0: Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode four of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today I'm very excited to be joined by a good friend of mine, Sean Daly. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, Joe. Good morning. Uh, so we're going to get right into the interview, give you a chance to introduce yourself to everyone. Uh, tell us about yourself.
1: i high school history teacher, and I've been gaming since I was old enough for my sister to walk me across the street to a Sears where they had a pinball machine, so in the Early seventies, mid seventies.
0: Nice. Um, what areas do you feel like you have a very high geekitude in? Um,
1: video games. Been doing video games for a long time. I've been lucky enough to end, attend uh, E3 for over the past decade. I love Robotech, so pretty strong there. I love to read science fiction, fantasy novels, so I'm pretty strong on my science fiction, fantasy. Those are probably my sh- my strongest areas right there.
0: Are there any places you feel like you're uh, you're weak in geek?
1: Really have no. Interest in Doctor Who. i not a Whovian. <laughs> I don't get it. I'm old enough to remember when it would show up on, like, Channel 9 or Channel 5 here in the L.A. area and be, like, black and white. And um, I don't know. When you compared it to, like, what Star Trek was doing at the time, there was, there's really no comparison. So, I mean, I, I think it's funny that it's actually, like, back and going strong. But, yeah, I don't have any interest or knowledge in Doctor Who. <laughs>
0: We've had a good, um, diverse set of guests up until now where everybody has some overlap, but they have their things that they're completely lost in and they're, they're, they have their stuff that they're really excited about. And I I think it's, it's cool that, uh, everybody has kind of their own thing. Are you working on anything geeky right now? Any geeky projects? Uh, you know,
1: I'm trying to get to 60,000 achievements on my Xbox. I'm getting pretty close. So, um. That's my big, uh probably, video game geek thing right now, um, you know, bouncing around ideas to write a book about teaching in a zombie World War I story, and, uh you know, it kind of, it sits, makes very little progress every year, and then it sits, so it's something I'm working <laughs> on, but it's something I'm not making progress on. I don't
0: think I knew you did that. I think that's awesome. I like to write. I just,
1: <laughs> I guess I don't like to finish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no I, I i know a lot of people that are in the same boat i think it's a very common uh malady with writers and uh what is your favorite fan of uh, it's gotta be robotech i've been a big fan of robotech
1: from when i was uh, the 80s i actually um uh, ditched a volleyball game when i was in high school to uh catch an episode of robotech that was going to have a big thing happen and so uh I've been a fan of it and I've been attending the conferences for Robotech uh since the first one, Robocon ten years ago.
0: Very cool. Very, very cool. Um and do you have any guilty geeky pleasures? Yeah, I attention? do.
1: Currently, uh my son who just walked in the room, Griffin, who's uh eight years old, we watched the Redonculus race. But say what what is the Redonculus race about?
2: Um, it's about all these teens. That come and one of them at the end of the race goes home with one million dollars. And the um, team have to do this challenge, and the teams have to travel to a state to do those challenges, and each. Team has two
1: people for eating. Ridiculous Race is a mixture of Survivor with Amazing Race with the Kardashians thrown in. So it's a cartoon that is a reality kind of based show. And it is hilarious uh, and it has a lot of adult humor and, and kid humor and it's,
2: and it's, it's so, fun to watch. And there's a lot of drama.
1: It sounds amazing. It
0: sounds like a really fun and show. It
1: so. just wrapped up the show. And so there was one team that won the million dollars. But what was pretty cool about it is, since I'm a fan of Survivor, and I know you watch Big Brother, and we both kind of will see the amazing race at times, all those different characters are kind of put into the characters on total drama, ridiculous race. So you're like, oh, that's where that's from, that's where that. And so there's stuff that's in the news, and you can be like, oh, they're including that story in it. So it's kind of cool.
0: Well, very cool. Redonculus Race sounds amazing. I'm gonna to have to check it out, and maybe I can I can hook Matt in with the fact that it's based on Amazing Race. I'll just tell him it's a cartoon version of Amazing it Race. It really, like it, it
1: really is. Yeah, I
2: mean, it really is. Very cool.
0: Did you do anything geeky this week? How was your geek week?
2: This
1: uh, week? yeah, I went to a Robo Toy Fair uh convention, which was all Voltron and Transformer toys. And uh, that was really geeky, especially, you know, you always know you're at something geeky when you show up and you look at everyone else. And you're like, wow, these people are really nerdy, really geeky, and I guess I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that realization of, yes, these are my people, whether I want them to be or not. <laughs> and, well, I'm,
1: I'm not really into the, the toy robot stuff. I mean, I know most of them. It was pretty cool seeing some battleship... uh Yamamoto stuff, and some of the older Japanese uh toys. But it was, uh they were having a Robotech convention attached with it in one of the side mm-hmm. rooms. And so I was able to see a buddy of mine, and it was the 30th anniversary of Robotech. And uh, the convention was a fan-organized one and had almost all the voice actors. Oh,
0: wow. That's really cool. Well,
1: there's a split, and... uh That community, Harmony Gold, which owns the rights of it, does their own convention circuit. And they were at Comic-Con, and they did a few other things. And then there's a group on uh, Facebook called Robotech X, which is a fan community, um, currently uh, the widow of Carl uh the main guy who got it all together and put it together years ago. And so this was a fan-run convention. And most of the voice actors are still friends with... um, uh, Carl's Widow, and they're friends with the fans, and so they came out, while some of the other uh, conventions didn't have as many of the voice actors, mainly because most of them still live in L.A., and mm-hmm. it, it's kind of this, the fans are torn between the marketing of the Robotech image, because they're still doing that, and they still have a lot of control over it, and um, paying tribute to the fans and trying to keep the Robotech name and show somewhat alive. I mean, it's like a, a much smaller Firefly-type firefly, firefly t- type group, you know, trying to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of talk about a movie. Who was your first Spider-Man? Uh, Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire. He was attached to the first Robotech project, and uh, I think it was Sony, and they had a script that came out, and the script was really not related to the show whatsoever. It was so bizarre. Uh, a buddy of mine had gotten me a copy a preview copy of the script and it was just it was hard to read and then it kind of disappeared then Lawrence Kasdan was going to be doing a script treatment on it I don't know if that ever got finished and just a couple weeks ago it came back out that it looks like Robotech is back alive again and so um, we have to see where it's going now and who's going to be making it so there's been a lot with it but I mean there's really hardly anything new in the past 30 years
0: now, is there something that somebody who hasn't kept up with Robotech, because I remember watching it a little bit as a kid, but I, it wasn't one that I really latched on to. But I think now that I'm older, it's something that I'd be interested to go back and, and check out. Is there a way to do that other than fucking friends for their copy It was on Netflix. It's not anymore. You can still buy it on Amazon.
1: They keep on re-releasing it. And so they have like a, a 30th anniversary soundtrack. Um, you know, it – it's Macross from Japan. I mean, that's what the first, Robotech is, uh, three Japanese anime shows that were combined and then nothing was added. They just added, um, English translation and wrote a new story to meet the mouth movement of the animated characters. So it was just very creative writing. Uh, and, uh, the thing combining them all with this concept of protoculture. So with three separate Japanese shows it's um, Macross, Southern Cross, and Most Beta Genesis Climber. And so they're really unrelated shows, kind of all in the same transforming mecha genre that was popular in the 80s. And then Robotech weaved it all into one continuous story. And they've, they've done um, two movies. They did a, a theatrical release that never really got released, that wasn't very good. Of Robotech the movie, and then they came out with another thing, uh, Robotech Shadow Chronicles. But if you wanted to, you know, get into it, probably the easiest way is just get it on Amazon. They have the whole DVD set. It's usually around 30 bucks. I mean, I have like three different versions of it on DVD, and I have some of the original Japanese ones, you know, with the, uh, Japanese with the English subtitles, um, before it was transformed into the Robotech story. So, you know, yeah, you're fine. It's out there.
0: <laughs> that's cool. That's really cool. I'm going to have to check it out because
1: I, I think it's something that I haven't been exposed to
0: a lot, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested. It's, it's, a
1: space, it's a space soap opera. There's romance. Uh, characters die in it, and I guess that's probably why I got into it because and even at the convention, people were talking about it. I mean, this big uh, burly marine gets up there, And he's been in the Marines for years, and he was talking about being a kid, watching one of the episodes when one of the characters dies, and just how shocking it was that there he is watching a cartoon, and a main character has died rather tragically, and just, you know, your jaw drops. I mean, nothing had been like that in American after-school cartoons, you know? I mean, Scooby-Doo doesn't, like, all of a sudden eat too much chocolate, and you know, roll over and die, <laughs> I mean, that would be the equivalent of what it was. It was like, what do you mean he's dead?
0: Well, that's right, because G.I. Joe, nobody ever dies in oh. G.I. Joe. Everybody parachutes to safety Yeah, station. every time. I mean, you yeah. Know.
1: I mean, and if a building, like, something happens, like, you know, a thousand people jump out with parachutes. Yeah, G.I. Joe was ridiculous. And it, it was out about
0: the same time? Yeah, that's a it's a really good point. It's a really good point. Well what else? Anything else that you did this week? Uh let's
1: see. Uh played the Star Wars Battlefront beta. And uh,
0: that was uh You and apparently a lot of other people. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah.
1: So we can we can <laughs> nine million of us.
0: <laughs> yes, we'll we'll go into that a little bit more later, but uh but just real quick, uh good game, bad game, meh game. Um
1: Way more complicated than just going good, bad, or mad. The reviews of the beta were all over the board, and then information came out later. Why? Um, horribly unbalanced right now. Horribly unbalanced.
0: Well, we'll have to go into that a little bit more detail later. And uh, what else? Well,
1: I, I mean, the big thing is, I mean, I am a big soccer fan, and I think in the United States that does uh, qualify as geekitude, being a soccer fan in this nation, so I went to the U.S.-Mexico <laughs> game. And, uh, made it out alive, and so that was, uh, you know, depending on who you ask, I mean, is that geeky or not? And I think with the baseball playoffs going on right now, I think a lot of people would say yes, being a soccer fan is geeky.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, so many people have said fantasy football and all those things. It's just Dungeons and Dragons, but with sports. Yes, yeah, right. In, in, in fact, I am checking my fantasy
1: soccer scores as we're doing it.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Well, yeah, now we both watched The Walking Dead premiere this week, which I was excited to get back to. Um, what did you think of it?
1: Well, you know, I watched The Fear of Walking Dead, and I really I really enjoyed how that went through. It's a little six-episode story arc. I liked how um, it progressed. And then, Watching The Walking Dead, I felt like a little bit of a letdown. I thought it it was such a different format and different building style style and story style that it was almost a bit of confusion for me for the first 30, 45 minutes. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, I, it, it, it was really unusual for me. I don't know if I enjoyed it or not. I've got to watch the second episode because that's really going to tell if I enjoyed what they did in the first episode. Because the first episode was, uh, I don't know, just a lot of tension, but you're not really sure why. <laughs> well, I think I,
0: I agree, because I was the same way. I was kinda like, I'm not ready to go back to Walking Dead yet. Like, Fear the Walking Dead was too new, and it was too different, and I wasn't quite ready to go back into, like, the direness that the, the, um Walking Dead crew is experiencing. Uh, but I thought it was kind of a good transition because it was a different, if it was a different style than even its regular episodes, because it kept flashing back and forth. I thought they did that really well with the black and white versus the color because it made it easy to keep up with what time frame they were talking about, and it covered a lot of the stuff in the comic that wasn't my favorite. But they got through a lot of it, you know, the Carter character and all that. What took up, I don't know, maybe two or three issues in the the actual comic. But this was just kind of like let's get it done and kind of make the point we need to make. So I thought it was good, but I definitely did feel that jar, you know, that jarring kind of transition that you felt. It, it it's going to be interesting if this becomes a back and forth that they always do, you know, summers with Fear the Walking Dead and the rest of the season with Regular Walking Dead. I I don't know that that transition is always going to be the best.
1: I really didn't like the uh, the style of it. I I think I would have much rather enjoyed kind of a more film noir kind of showing a bit of the horrible negative of what was going to happen because of everything in the episode, and then the backtracking of what led to that event. So I really, I'm just kind of surprised because they didn't really go very far Back. I mean, you know, film war, you start with kind of the end, and how do you get to that point? And it didn't really do that. It was almost like it had two separate episodes running at the same time, one that was in the mm-hmm. black and white, one that was in the color world. And it took a while to connect where was the black and white and where was the color world taking place? And it almost seemed that the, I mean, that the black and white was the present and the color was the past and then it's almost like it made a transition. I mean, I gotta watch it again because it was really confusing what was going on and I don't think they showed enough. I mean, I would have liked maybe to just have them start the season with, uh, wherever they're living, totally burnt down and destroyed and then kind of going back. So you know something happened. But then why did it happen? Did they destroy it on their own? Did a group come in? Did zombies come in? Like, we don't know. You know, show something that leaves a mystery. Oh, my goodness, we're going to get to this point. How did we get to that point? And they didn't really do that. It just kind of like two separate stories running parallel to each other, one that was in the present and one that was in the past, and they didn't seem to be connected between each other very well.
0: I think maybe one of the things they were trying to do is I think they – we're worried, And I don't know that this is ne- necessarily – I tend to find that, that a lot of TV shows feel like they need to put more tension and drama in than they do. And I think that's probably what they were trying to fix. I think they were trying to – instead of doing the slow build from the beginning and just telling the story straight through or having the big destruction like you described and then start from the beginning and go up to that. I think they felt like it was going to be too slow. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I, I can't figure out the part where it's like, um, hey, open the gate. Um, I don't know if I can open the gate. Who are you? We're the four people. Wait, was there, or, yeah, it was four, wasn't it? Four or three. I think it's three or but four, it's yeah. never been mentioned by anybody here, but we're important, and we just got back after all the drama. So, uh, you know... It's almost like they knock out the door and say, hey, our casting agents were really good and we got thrown in here so that when people die this season, you're not as attached to them. Can you open the gate so that can happen to us? It, it just, it seems lazy. I mean, why couldn't they? What happened to the two um, recruited guys?
0: Yeah, they, they need to, well, we saw them in a lot of the group scenes, but um, they're not distinctive enough. I don't think, and we don't haven't seen them enough that they stand out yet. And the characters that they introduced are big characters. Um, like, is it Heath?
1: Oh, it's from the comic book. Awesome. I mean, you know, I stopped reading the comic book after the prison. Pretty much uh, when they ran from the prison and all of that, I'm like, oh, God, I, I just hated the prison. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So, I mean, the, the characters they, they introduced, I think the the woman was supposed to be Holly. Who's a pretty big character, and I think he's Heath. I'm, I'm, I can't remember off the top of my head, but, um, but yeah, they're they're basically the next wave of big characters. They're like the Abraham and uh Rosita and Eugene of the last season.
1: Yeah, well, and then you know it was kind of weird not seeing all the characters because I don't think we saw uh, Rosita.
0: No, we saw her a little bit, but not. A whole lot, and I, I don't remember the name of the the woman that um, Maggie was talking to, because she, she's not in the comics. Um, who was with the the governor and switched? Like she froze up during the the prison scene. Right, I, I know who you mean. Yeah, but... I never remember her name because I don't I don't know that they're doing anything with her to make her stand out as an actual character. I don't I don't know what role she's supposed to well, play. Well,
1: it looked like she was getting a new love interest all of a sudden. Who? Uh, one of the women living in the village. It kind of made out of eyes.
0: I missed that completely.
1: Yeah, it's just like she yeah. was being treated, and they made kind of like a little connection, and it was like, oh... Okay.
0: I'll we'll have to go back and watch that because I, I, I missed that somehow. Yeah, she's she's not been the most I – th- I think her story was dynamic. I don't know that she's going to be with us much longer if they can't find something to do with her.
1: I, mean, but she, I think be she's the only connection to that event that made it out from the governor's area. She's, like, the only one. So she might be around just to be, like, that connection that, you know, out of everything bad, you can get something good because, I mean – from every little escape they've had, they have one member. They've got one member from the farm. They've got one from the city. They've got um one from the governor's little area. You know, they just get one, it seems, that they hold on to. Mm-hmm. And she's the last one from that. Everyone else from that area is dead because um the other group came to the prison first and was sent down.
0: Yeah, Sasha's yeah. group, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, um, this week, I, I, I had such a busy week. I did not do a lot of geeky stuff, but we did get Walking Dead in, and, uh, my husband and I have fallen in love with Quantico. I don't know if you've watched it at all. I read the
1: reviews. I heard it was, uh, really good. I heard the pilot was awesome, but, I mean, I have so little time for TV. It was like, okay, it didn't, it didn't make my list.
0: (laughs) It's one of those that I think is probably okay to go back when you do have time. And watch an entire season. It, it's just really good. It's not a procedural. It's very much a continual serial story, and I think that's amazing. But yeah, I, I really like it. I think we're we're very excited to watch it every week, and um, we really have no idea where it's going. So that's I think a very exciting kind of thing. It's not predictable. It's not a procedural. So uh, we're looking forward to now,
1: it. that's the one where the FBI candidates and one of them. A terrorist or a spy or something, and they can't figure out who it is.
0: Yeah, and it's a little bit of that storytelling that that has become very common, where you've got the the main plot, the, the the B plot is in the present, and the A plot is in the past. And so every episode, you're dealing with a lot of A plot stuff, but it's all giving you clues to help solve the B plot. Okay. So it's it's a it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool format. I think it's a a little lost like. Without the kind of weird what are they doing kind or of stone statues that are never
1: explained, yeah, exactly,
0: <laughs> so yeah, so that that was my geek this week, so let us move on to the news. Lots of stuff happened this week um, we found out that there's going to be some Marvel in the Lego franchise. You want to talk about that a little bit
1: uh sure um. Well, there already has been Marvel in the LEGO franchise. They already came out with the LEGO Marvels video game. So they already came out with one, LEGO Marvel Superheroes, which was a lot of fun. And you're in uh, New York, and uh, you're fighting all the villains at different times. And as you play, um, you get to unlock uh, characters. And then you eventually get these um, Deadpool missions which are a lot of fun, and as you complete them, you get more characters, and pretty much everybody in the Marvel Universe uh, just pops up. And they're able to kind of combine everyone for this video game, which is it's really neat. So, I mean, there's no problem um, being, you know, uh, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and the Avengers. You know, you, you're fine. You, you know, there are all these Different ones that are part of different movie franchises are all part of the
2: game. Most of them from the um, game we don't actually see in the movies and they they also decided to bring um Electra. Yeah, Electra, Daredevil. Yeah. So, okay. And the sword, not yeah. a okay,
1: Griffin, who's your favorite character in the original LEGO Marvel game? I'm
2: going to have to say probably, probably it's gonna to have to be legend. So,
1: I mean, it was a lot of fun unlocking them, and it's pretty exciting that the new game is now gonna include characters from the TV show and the other parts. You know, and how they mix it up, because in the first one, they gave kind of the first spoiler and I'm surprised they didn't get more traction about what's going to happen with Guardians of the Galaxy like 2 because there's this secret like ending where all of a sudden you've got the Guardians of the Galaxy Lego characters and they show up and uh, I forget which Avenger they're talking to like Iron Man or something and they're like uh, we heard you need our help so it's just That's you know cool. it's just right there and it's random and it doesn't it's a cut scene so it doesn't seem like they're showing up for missions because there are no missions left at that point in the game. It's like, are they hinting at that one of the upcoming movies is going to be the crossover that the guardians of the galaxy are going to end up working with the Avengers on some shared mission. Cause they go like, we got your signal. We're here to help.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that's, that sounds like a preview for Infinity war, which is very, yeah, cool. and that's,
1: and then, uh, it seems pretty neat that they introduced that in the video game, which came out, you know, several years ago. So I'm really excited for the new one, because Griffin and I, we'll sit down and we'll play that. We'll finish the games. Uh, the cutscenes are often put together and released as a separate DVD movie when they're done, because the cut oh, scenes cool. are pretty good. So you can get, like, the Lego one just, uh, the Lego DC one just came out. Um, it's like um, the War Against Brainiac, I think which is almost just all the cutscenes of the game strung together to tell the whole narrative, and boom, then it's a movie.
0: That's very cool. We
2: finished
0: the Batman one. Oh,
2: Batman Lego? I think it was the golf ball uh um, yeah, it was a Batman, Batman three. The Batman three, and um, we're trying to think about either that we will get the Disney Infinity B. Um, Point or the um, Lego Dimension.
1: Well, and that's it's a big deal that they're releasing. That's going to come out with the game because of the TT Games, the Traveler Traveler Tales, I think is what it stands for. They're now working on a new game that came out just a few weeks ago called uh, Lego Dimension where they're taking all the Warner brother properties and putting it together in another game where you've got to buy little Lego mini figs with the little, you know, chip on the bottom and you got to put them on your play base to play with those characters and when you put them on they're unlock a new world. So like if you buy the Scooby Doo pack and you put it on, then you unlock a Scooby Doo world and any of your characters can go into it. So you can actually have Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz running around in the Scooby-Doo world, completing the adventures. Well, and that is going to be a big moneymaker for them.
2: Or you can have um, someone from, like, Simpsons or something, because, I mean, you're coming up with
1: a Simpsons. Yeah. They have back. Simpsons. They have Half-Life.
2: Um, um,
1: no, they have Portal 2.
2: They have some Hobbit.
1: Yeah, they have Hobbit. Um
2: They have a um, Lego movie.
1: But the problem with it is, to finish that whole game, it's $496 to buy all the toys.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculously yeah. expensive. And so
1: um, they stopped production on the Hobbit game. They never finished it. When the Hobbit went from two movies to three movies, they were working on a Hobbit Lego game. Well, they released the game, and it took you through two movies. They never released a third part of that game to get the final movie. So... Paid Everyone who bought that game paid the full price for it, but only really got two-thirds of the story. It never got finished, and I think they didn't finish it because they started production on Lego Dimension. So the fact that they just came out and said there are going to be more Lego Marvel games set in the universe that will be standalone was really exciting because people were afraid that all of a sudden you were going to have to buy these Lego Dimension characters, you know... Of, amazing amounts to get the Marvel experience in the Lego universe. And they've confirmed that, though. They're going to make the separate games. And so that was probably, for me, the uh, biggest, you know, piece of excitement that, you know, they committed to there will be other Lego Marvel games. They're not going to take that part of the franchise and start doing the micro-collectibles for you to be able to play it.
0: Yes, because it's as cool of an idea as that is. it is so expensive it is so expensive.
1: Moving on to some other Marvel
0: news, we were excited for all of what an hour this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, that's only a couple hours. Because there was a rumor out there that that Marvel Cinematic had gotten back the rights from uh Fox for the Fantastic Four in return for the um TV rights for the X franchise. And then Fox quickly came out and went, "Nope, not true." <laughs>
1: I think I think you're even more disappointed than I am because I mean I don't know I just don't see I don't see them doing the story very well and they keep on doing an origin story and I have no faith that if they did change it that it would be anything but another origin story.
0: There's been two Fantastic Four movies now at this point three if you count the one that never released. Oh there were, And they were, are all origin. It them. was a
1: sequel. The Silver Surfer one was a sequel.
0: Yes. Yes, there was. So, so that's what, four yeah, altogether? Yeah. Um, I don't think we need a, an origin story. And I think the Marvel universe, Cinematic Universe has gotten big enough that we can just say, you know, let's go with it. Let's let's just drop him in. You know, Reed Richards is this big scientist in his big tower, and he's going to help us out in X, Y, and Z in one of the other movies. Done. You know, I, I, we're getting to the point where we don't need any more origin stories. There are superheroes. Ta-da. That, that, that's kind of where I'm at at this point.
1: Well, and, and, and if they ever do combine them, my big question is, like, where were they when New York was attacked by all these aliens? I mean, is it Reed Richards-based, aren't, aren't the Fantastic Four, aren't they also in New York?
0: Yeah, no, most people are, are in New York, and it's funny because I've been listening to Rachel Miles Explains the X-Men, and there was a time where... Like, if they needed to call the Avengers, there would be some plot device where they'd call the Avengers, and, you know, it would be like Tigra, this fourth-tier Avenger who's on... Phone duty that day and we're like, yeah, they're all out. They can't help you right now, but I'll come over. <laughs> and so they kind of, they kind of handled it that way that everybody's doing their own thing and there's not enough superheroes to go around. So we'll send you who we yeah, can. I mean,
1: how messed up is the world in that universe? That's all I'm saying, you know? <laughs> how many kittens have to be safe from trees? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, one of the good things I think about, um, about your Geektitude is you have a much deeper understanding of the DC universe than I do.
1: Yeah, I guess you well, I've, so, I've, I've been uh, living in the DC universe instead of the Marvel one. I guess, I don't know, when I bought the comic books, they were always the DC ones.
0: At New York Comic Con last weekend, it's been on the circuit for a while, but they actually made their debut, uh, DC Superhero Girls, and you've seen the previews. What'd you think?
1: We, uh, we watched it, and, uh, I think it's great. I mean, I Griffin has the cape from Comic Con. He's got the pink cape that well, says cr- DC
2: you, Superhero uh,
1: Girls. So what did you think of the videos that we watched? The, the it, um,
2: it was good, but the cool thing is that the villain girls aren't really, like, villainy. Well, I mean, they're good. They're um they're more kind of happy than bad.
1: Yeah, they had Chitaro in the hallway, and she was running in the hallway. And so she mm-hmm. was still Chitar- Chitaro, but... You know, she was just being a teenager, and the hall monitor was like I think. Hawk girl, And that was pretty <laughs> funny how it's like, okay, they're going to include the villains and the heroes in the same universe. Yeah, and um, the one where it had Harlequin as Wonder Woman roommate, and that was pretty funny, the little dichotomy and uh, the interchange there. And I think they're really onto something, because uh, they are turning it into a toy line. But with the toy line, there's going to be two parts of it. There's going to be an action figure part, where I believe there are, like, 7-inch um, characters, or 5-inch. I'm trying to get the details on And then they're also going to have a Barbie doll-type toy line. So they're going to have the action figure version of it, and then and the, the doll version of it. So what, whoever's in their audience and what they're interested in, they're going to be able to the play doll. with you know, whichever
2: one
0: they want. Okay. Well, it's cool that they're diversifying their toy line because then it give, it does open it up to people who, you know, girls who don't want to play with Barbies but still want to play with the action figures can, can do that, you know, and anybody who wants to play with the action figures. And the same thing with, you know, I, I'm really not into making my toys fight each other, but I want them to look pretty. Oh. Well, then there you go.
1: So I think that's good. Yeah, and the dolls have a very similar to look to like, kind of like the Bratz, Monster High, where their, their head is bigger and their eyes are, you know, unusually large. Okay, do you want to say, okay, here are the um, main characters, you um, want to say Okay,
2: them? here are the ones um, that are going to be in the doll line. First up, we have Batgirl, Poison, Di- uh, Poison Ivy, Supergirl, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn. And then the last one, I
1: think, is... Wasp? Or is that Marvel Universe Wasp?
0: No, um, I think they called her Bumblebee. Yeah,
2: Bumblebee.
1: It was okay. Bumblebee. Okay. <laughs> it's so hard because DC and Marvel, I mean, a lot of the superheroes are like the same. It's like, and so I feel like sometimes it's like the difference between the Greek and the Roman gods. It's the same yeah. god. It's just a different <laughs> name. And I wonder if like 500 years from now, they'll be talking about our society and going, well, they had these superheroes, but in the land of DC, they were called, but in the land of Marvel. And like them not knowing, you know, that they were just just rivals, you know, they'll just think they're the same.
0: Now, there's been some other stuff going on uh with DC. You're a huge Batman fan, correct? Yeah, love yeah. Batman. So what's been going on this week with Batman?
1: I guess there's a couple things. One, Bob Kane got a uh, star in the Walk of Fame. Bob Kane is one of the creators of Batman. But Bill Finger, who has just recently been recognized for his contribution. Um, Bob Kane drew some of the initial stuff on Batman, but all of the story of Batman and Bruce Wayne being uh, the orphan son of millionaires and his first criminals, and pretty much all the lore that everyone loves of Batman was created by Bill Finger. But Bob Kane was the... Bob Kane was the guy in charge, and I read a great biography on Siegel, who created uh, Superman, about what it was like during that time, during the comic uh, book industry, when it first started. And Bob Kane's pretty much major contribution was, he found other comic book superheroes that were out there, and then he copied them and made his own versions of them to pretty much compete and take down the other ones. Batman was the creation to address Superman's popularity. But the main part about the story that everyone loves came from this guy Bill Finger. So they're putting out this Walk of Fame star for Bob Kane because, you know, the new movies and Zack Snyder was out there for it. But once again, Bill Finger, you know, was not mentioned. So, I mean, hopefully that gets resolved, you know, eventually where... The guy who actually came up with all the, the mythology behind Batman that everyone loves actually will get some credit. And it's sad, his story is pretty sad. I mean, when you realize he kind of died penniless, you know, and no one even knew he existed. So when those Batman movies were coming out on the TV shows, Bob Kane was getting all the credit and this guy never did. And even Bob Kane said, oh yeah, he came up with most of the story. I mean, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't hidden. It's just, they, didn't, they never did anything to correct it. He
0: didn't have the right publicity. People. Well, yeah, and he, he, <laughs> he wasn't out there in the public eye. He
1: did die, um, you know, quite a few years ago. But that's kind of the same thing with, uh, you know, Siegel, Superman's uh, creator. You know, where a lot of the people in the industry knew who he was and what he did, but he didn't get credit for years. And it wasn't really until the Superman movie took off that a lot of people kind of stood up. And, um, you know, represented him, so he actually got some money out of it. And, uh I mean, I was reading about him going to Comic-Con years ago, and he was sitting at a table, and no one even knew who he was, except for, like, Kirby and Stan Lee and these other big artists who were inspired by him, and they all knew who he was, but he was just sitting there by himself, you know?
0: Yeah, because the fans just yeah. didn't know.
1: So, I mean, hopefully maybe uh, Bill Finger will, will get his time and uh, will be become better known in the future for his contribution to the story. I don't think it's a superhero everyone loves. I think it's the mythology. I mean, one of the things I love about Batman is he goes out there and is a vigilante. And vigilante, by nature, are jerks. I mean... So, Mm -hmm. you don't like vigilantes. I mean, if somebody parks in front of your house and you're putting, like, signs on their car, you're a vigilante jerk. I mean, you're just, you're not, people don't think that's normal. But for some reason, we all Mm -hmm. like Batman, and I think it's because he doesn't want credit for what he does. He's doing it, but you never hear about him going to the media or, like, having a Twitter account or talking about different things that he's done, like, other superheroes, like Booster Gold or anything else. I mean, pretty much Batman is doing what Batman's doing because he thinks it's right, not because he wants anybody to recognize him for what he's doing. It's right. supposed to be low-key, and the more people that know about what Batman does, the worse job he's doing, in a sense. And, you know, how it's presented in the movies. You know, he's supposed to be a bad Yeah, it's an
0: interesting point. Yeah, it is an interesting point, and it, and it does bring up that idea that, you know, that's what people love. You love they love his mythos, his background, and and so it is a shame that you know the person who came up with that is not is not getting yeah. It well, bad. he's
1: getting dumb. It's just it's going slow, and he's already passed away. And I think it's his granddaughter that is speaking up because he was pretty modest. But I think it's partly that generation. I mean, you know, that generation mm-hmm. so much was sacrificed in World War II. You don't really talk about your achievements because no matter what you did, you had friends that gave it all on the beach of Normandy. So you just, you don't talk about it because you know there were people that did so much more than you. Yeah. And I think it's just a generational thing. With Star Wars now being under Disney, you know, and everyone was afraid of the Disneyfication of Star Wars and what was going to happen, some, some interesting things have gone on. You know, the first thing is they got rid of everything in the expanded universe. They just pretty much said... Right, it
0: is. which a lot of people were not yeah.
1: happy with. Well, they just said, it's all gone. I mean, the Expanded Universe is gone. The only things that are canon are the movies. And they never really explained what part was canon. You know, okay, we understand the six movies, but were they including the Clone Wars, uh, the movie and the different show that was on, like, Disney XD? Um, you know, what part were they including in that? And uh, they'd come up with the comic book, of Star Wars Shattered Empire, that is bridging the gap between what happens at the end of the movie and what happens in the Star Wars The Force Awakens. And so they're now creating this new storyline to try to get everyone to that same point. And so you can follow the, you know, the characters and meet some new characters as they're going through what happens at the end of, um, you know, Return of the Jedi. You know, and leading up. And so far, it's, from what I've read and from the people I've talked to, um, it's, it's good, it's interesting, it's definitely not bad, but it's not to the point where it's great yet. But, it, it's getting there. So, I'm pretty excited to see how all the stories and, you know, the characters move on, and what do they start including. Because from the Expanded Universe, they can still include people, but they just have, haven't said who yet. You know, are they gonna include Fraud? Are they gonna include other characters? And now they're kinda of giving little hints about what's making it. Like, uh, um, Ashoka showed up in Star Wars Rebels. So all of a sudden, Ashoka is canon. Because there she is. So as you, you, know, this stuff comes now, out, we're getting little teases at what is in this new expanded universe that they're allowing.
0: Now do you, do you watch Star Wars Rebels?
1: I, I, I do. I do watch it. I have not seen every episode, but, yeah, I do catch it as soon as I can. I'm really bad at watching every episode of something. I mean, I'm perfectly fine seeing, like, one out of three, and I feel satisfied. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is it is it something that you would recommend? Because I've always been just kind of the, the six movies, and that's my Star Wars experience. I've I've been hesitant to branch into that thing, that the extended stuff, just because there is so much of it. And now that it's just kind of like, well, it's this TV show, or it's this comic book, it feels a little bit more handleable. Yeah, it's... So, I don't...
1: It's, it's quickly expanding, though. And Star Wars Rebels really a, a kid show. It's really for kids. So, it's like, how do you get Star Wars uh, into a, a younger generation? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. the scary thing is, you know, it's at my favorite comic book shop, and... Um, we were talking about it and, uh, the girl behind the counter goes, well, you know, this is kind of more based on the three good Star Wars movies. And I was like, well, you gotta watch out when you say that because that's, you know, we agree that a new, you know, a new Hope Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, three good ones, but younger audiences, the good ones for them are The Phantom Menace, The Clone Wars, you know, and Revenge of the Sith, because those are the ones that they saw in the theaters. Those are the ones that they know of.
0: Oh, I, it's the ones that grow. Right,
1: I think this is trying to, like, be the new way to bridge that gap for the younger generation. Because, I mean, you've got, when did Phantom Menace came out in 1998? So, I mean, you've got a whole group of kids, that huge market that are going to be 13, 14 when the new Star Wars movie came out, who have never been old enough to, um, see a Star Wars in a theater. Yeah. In the Star Wars, uh, you know, um, the, the third issue of it, you know, has them on Naboo, you know, fighting with the, you know, the, the warships from uh, Phantom Menace against the, you know, uh, Imperial Destroyers from A New Hope. So it's kind of cool how the comic book is combining not just the story of what happened to Leia, you know, Han and Chewbacca and, you know, Luke afterwards, But what happens with all the different areas and locations we don't know what happened to what happened to Naboo, you know, and so it kind of is combining those um, those prequels with the you know the trilogy with what's coming out next, and so you know it's that's kind of cool because when George Lucas was in charge of it, there were certain areas that were not allowed to be touched because he always planned on telling those stories. And it never, mm-hmm. never happened, or some of them did, but not very right. many. Well now Disney's really taking a different approach, going into those areas and allowing stories to be told to fill in the gaps to make their stories stronger.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely, it's, a lot of people were worried about the whole Disney takeover, but I think ultimately it's gonna end up giving mm-hmm. us a lot more material to actually Dig into. So I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be something that I might actually pick up.
1: Yeah, I I mean, you know, I'm going to check them out and we'll see where it goes. And, you know, I read one of the books already, wasn't too impressed with it. The new Luke Skywalker one, that wasn't too good. So it's, it's going to be like anything Hit, hit and miss.
0: Right. they got to find their legs. Uh, lots of video game stuff happened this week, and since we're talking about Star Wars, you would played the Battlefront beta along with 9 million other people. Yeah, beta. I played
1: um, Star Wars Battlefront. Love that game. Still have it uh, for the original Xbox, and uh, we still actually play it occasionally. I played it at E3. I played it at Comic-Con, and it was just a very short little survival level. But it was great jumping into the beta and getting online and playing, you know, other people. And my first match, they're on Hoth, and the Walkers are coming, and you've got to take out the Walkers. And so what the objective was mm. to get to a Rebel communication uh, array, stay there and get it activated, and then protect it. I think it was like 60 seconds, 45 seconds, and then that would trigger an event where Y-wings would come in and bomb the walker, and then the walker would be vulnerable to attack. So if you had a A A-wing or something up, or you were in a powerful enough implantment, uh, you know, in placement, or you had something, you could destroy the walker. And that was the point of the game. You know, the Imperials had to protect the walker, you had to destroy the walker. You know? before it got in the base and destroyed everything. So I get into it, and I'm a rebel. And I start playing, and I die. And I die, like, immediately. Like, almost spawn camping. And that is always a horrible sign when you're playing a first-person shooter that within three seconds of spawning, you're dead. And so I'm thinking, okay, this is not good. And everyone else Uh around me was killed. And then we spawn again, and we're all pretty much killed again within, like, five seconds. So uh, then we make it a little bit longer, maybe 10 seconds. Finally get a kill on my third life, but it just is not going well. I mean, the walkers are coming. All of a sudden, I see Darth Vader running around, just force-choking people and throwing them around. Because as you're playing the game, there's these little power-ups. And if you run over the power-up and you activate it, you could become a Jedi. You could be Darth Vader or uh, Luke Skywalker. Or you could be in a Tie Fighter or in a A-Wing. Flying above the battlefield, shooting at people below. Or you could be in a scout walker, or you, I mean, they have all these different things you can do. And so it's kind of cool when you end up being like a, you know, Jedi doing that. But we just, we just lost miserably. I mean, no matter what, you know, if I Mm -hmm. stopped moving for even a second, I was killed. And so I played that a few times as rebels and never could destroy an at-at. I mean, it was like I was, you know, with a, a pea shooter shooting at an at, at. I mean, it never bothered it, even when the shields were down, couldn't do anything. Then after that game ended, and we lost miserably, um, got into a game where I was uh, the Empire. All of a sudden, the Empire, uh, the weapons seem better, I'm able to shoot and kill people at much greater distance, and we really don't have any problem winning the match. And so, uh, if you ended up being a rebel, you were being worked. And if you ended up being the Empire, you know, you always won. And after uh the beta was finished, uh they finally came out and said, Oh yeah, uh we're gonna work on the balancing uh the rebels lost almost every match, every time. It didn't matter what the skill level was, just the Empire had better weapons and better spawning and placement. And, uh, so that was, I mean, I'm glad they do the beta, because that's where they find that kind of stuff out. But it was horribly unbalanced, horrible.
0: That, that sounds, that sounds terrible. It sounds like that's something that is, like, it's way unbalanced to the point where they should have caught it at least somehow in their internal Right, and, and that's,
1: that's kind of what I'm thinking too. And that, I mean, that's one of the things I'm worried about this Battlefront is when I played the original one at, uh, Comic-Con 3 it was very simplistic. The AI on the enemy was very basic. You, uh, Your objective was to protect the location as uh, increasingly harder waves assaulted you. And so you would have time in between each of them to kind of regroup when the next wave hits, uh, kind of a survival mode. And I didn't really see any difference at all, and the playability from what was at E3 and what was at Comic-Con, even those, those events were a couple months out. So I think they used the same build as the demo. They didn't change anything. And then the beta had that same level in it, but then they also had the multiplayer, so I was jumping in the multiplayer. And it's not a game I'm buying on launch date, and the main reason is I want to see if people I know are playing it. Because if there's people I know who are playing it, then I think I'll have a fun experience. But if they're not, there's other games out there that I think I'm going to have more enjoyment in, in that genre of first-person shooter. Because, I mean, the one review I read said it plays like a PlayStation 2 game, and that's why it's great. And it had that kind of simple, old-school feeling to it, but I don't really want to necessarily go back to that simple, old-school misbalance. Because they're trying to make it all modern, like Call of Duty, where... Like, when you go out there, you get to pick all your own guns, and you level up, and you get new guns. Well, the old Star Wars Battlefront Mm -hmm. was you were one of three classes, and you just got this class got this gun, this class got this, and this class got this. And so that was it. No matter who you were playing against, they all had the basic loadout of their style of fight. This one is much more like Call of Duty and the different games where your character will level up, and then you get to unlock new guns, and I, mean, I bet you there's going to be some microtransactions or something else where you could get mm-hmm. new guns or new colors for their guns, you know, and when the movie comes out, there's going to be new characters to unlock. But it just didn't play as well. That mechanic didn't fit in, in my opinion, with the kind of old-school PlayStation 2 Xbox shooter. It just was like they were trying to meld the two worlds, and, you know, being somebody like me who's going to jump in casually to play with friends mm-hmm. were on, I'm going to be at a huge disadvantage for those that are able to play, you know, four hours a day or more. Yeah,
0: well, and I think that with there are so many video games at this point, and they come out so frequently that I think you can't afford to launch something that's not ready. And I realize this was just a beta, and I know they've got a little bit of time to fix it, but... It's kind of one of those things where it's not going to take a lot for somebody to go, mm, not my thing, and, and move on. And I think a lot more people are, with Twitch and everything else, are waiting for the reviews to come out and using that to base the decision on whether they're going to buy it. Well, I, I, th- I, so it'll be a- I think
1: decision. it's going to be huge. I think it's going to sell you know a million the first day, regardless of the reviews. I think it's going to be huge. And I would argue the opposite is true. I mean, when Destiny was released, it was very incomplete, was busted in a lot of areas, and the developers even brought that up. I mean, their whole leveling system was ridiculous in Destiny, and they have scrapped it completely and revised it. So, like, when I go back and then I play it, I don't even recognize the game anymore because,
0: mm-hmm. I've heard you that know, the people.
1: drops and everything else, it's almost what happened with... Uh, you know, World of Warcraft, when you actually had to go into the uh, the barons and you had to level. And now the leveling happens so quickly and it has changed. Yeah. I mean, you actually had to go find location. And now they've gotten rid of that. And the same thing with Destiny. And I think Battlefront's is going to do the same. They're going to release the game. It's going to have errors with it. They'll fix that at a later date. But then again, maybe they won't. You know, maybe it will just be an expansion or something else, and they'll make a lot of money on it. I, I don't think a lot of the companies worry about that as much. I mean, at last, at least, uh, at least EA doesn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, EA has a has a has a reputation. <laughs> they definitely have well, a reputation.
1: some people buy the game. I mean, even uh, that new Batman that was released on the PC was broken. It just didn't even work on the PC. And the thing still made money. You know, it still sold a lot of copies, and they eventually fixed it, but it was months, and it was still hugely popular. So, I mean, as long as we're buying games that are not finished, they're gonna still make
0: them. Yeah, there's no motivation not to. It's
1: it's almost like they're kickstarting their own games. It's almost like that's happening. It's like Battlefront is gonna come out, it's gonna make a lot of money, and that money is gonna help drive the polishing of it to make sure that it reaches a tri- triple A-tier type game maybe three months after it's released.
0: It's it's interesting because I'm a predominantly Blizzard-type game gamer. I mean, that, most of my games are, are Blizzard games, and they, that's not the model they use. So it's interesting that it's kind of like that's where my mindset is, is like, no, they don't release it until it's ready. Where, you know, you're, what you're saying is, is that doesn't seem to be the case for yeah. other companies. So it's, it's yeah, it really,
1: it really isn't. I mean, there's a lot of games that will come out and will promise, like, an additional story or something and then never follow through on it. And, uh, I mean, i give you an example. I mean, I'm a big Xbox uh, gamer. You know, a gamer tags teach for food. Um, they're free games. With Xbox with Gold, you get two free games every month. And the one free game this month is Valiant Hearts, which is a World War One platformer game. Great game. Love it. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the end of the game, it almost has like, you know, and Freddy's story will continue. Well, that game's been out for like over a year, and there is no talk of his story. <laughs> and Freddy has it not no <laughs> downloadable content. There is nothing. And You know, in a way, I feel like I got part of a game because it was one of the main Mm -hmm. characters, and you do finish three of the characters' story arc, but two of them—they're just out there still. Just not. Their their, their story Mm -hmm. is not complete, and they said, "We're gonna finish that story." Yuck! (laughs) Yuck! Nope.
0: That's disappointing. Um, another thing that uh, that you wanted to talk about today was microtransactions in games. Yeah, and, I mean,
1: I'm fine with microtransactions in games, especially games where it's free to play, you know, where you can get the game and play it, and then if you want to continue your play with it, you can spend some money, you know, to get something else. What is kind of shocking that's come out is that both Halo and Destiny, you know, Two AAA title games are now including microtransactions. In, mm. in Destiny right now, pretty much all you can buy with, uh, you know, real currency is emotes. You can dance. And the big one everyone has, mm. you know, is the um, the Carlton. Oh, Carl-
0: oh, the Carlton?
1: That's one of the emotes. It's the most expensive one. So everyone wants the Carlton. You know, his little dance that he does? And you have to pay real money to get them. But people data mined uh, the recent Destiny, you know, update, and they found other information in there, pointing towards microtransactions for the level of drops for epics. That it looks like in the code, there is a mechanic built in that you can buy um, a higher percentage chance of getting epic. When you're doing the dungeon raid. So it'd be the equivalent of going in World of Warcraft and going in one of those epic dungeons and you spending five bucks and you're gonna have a much higher percentage of getting that piece of armor that's available and...
0: And all of a sudden it becomes pay to win. And
1: it becomes pay to win. And Destiny, uh, and Bungie is denied. They have come out and said no, that is not the case. But the evidence is, is there. And maybe that's not the case mm-hmm. today, but it could have been the case yesterday or it could be the case tomorrow. Maybe he's true about today, but it is true that it was considered or it is being considered. And that, that is the right. things. And I don't really have a problem with microtransactions, but when you have a game you're spending so much money on already, why is there a need to do that? You know, maybe right. change the way Doing it where okay, if you're going to get this update, um, you know you get some quick leveling or something so you can enjoy it quicker, kind of like uh, maybe what um, Blizzard does, where if you know you get the expansion, you get a character up to that level to enjoy the expansion if you're not there to bring in the old gamers. But you know I, I don't I don't know uh, if that's the way. And then Halo though is is different. Halo's is a uh, quicker experience. So if you get it, mm-hmm. you pay for it, and then you can get leveled up quicker. And it doesn't make you a better player, but it helps the casual casual player get to the end game quicker. So, yeah. so, and and I'm, as a casual gamer on a lot of these games, because I dabble more than I usually focus, I'm, I'm okay with that a little bit. But once again, it's a pay to win. And it's on a triple A title. It's
0: $60. Yeah. No, it's, I don't know. I'm like, I've been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm and, uh, they have stim packs that let you level up quicker. And you can buy one for a week or one for a month. And I'm not doing it because I'm not, I'm not able to play that often. So it's kind of a compound thing. It's like, I can't play that often. So I don't level that fast, but I'm also not going to buy a stim pack that lasts. 30 days, but as soon as you activate it, the timer starts running. Because I'm not going to get full use out of that. I have to wait, and I'll buy a week one when I'm going to be on vacation for a week or something.
1: But There is a big difference between Heroes of Storm and Halo and Destiny. Heroes of the Storm is free. You didn't pay for that.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So, you know, spending the money on a spin pack on a game that you're playing... That justifies them keeping the game
0: updated. Yeah, it gives them, it gives them the resources that, that they need to keep it going. And, and it's just because I'm not willing to do it, just because of my time and everything, it doesn't mean that I think there's anything wrong with it. It's just one of those things where it's, it's there, I'm not able to use, utilize it right now. But I see that. If you've already paid for the game, and you're being asked to, you know, pay more money for microtransactions,
1: it,
0: it, it makes it a lot less, I don't know, legitimate in yeah my
1: mind. and, and that's that's kind of my you know nerd rage I guess on this one is I'm already spending uh sixty dollars for a regular edition or 99 for a limited edition or 150 250 for the you know the epic edition whatever it is and then all of a sudden I'm gonna be nickel and dimes on uh, dance moves or some other aspect and then some of the games, you know, they include all of that when it's launched. Like, you know, you're paying for downloadable content that's already on the disc.
0: You just can't, can't lock it. Yeah. And
1: that's kind of, and I mean, and that's what those uh, Disney Infinity and Skylanders and Lego Dimensions are, but it's veiled in a toy. You know, mm-hmm. you're getting a toy with it. So it's kind of weird. I mean, and I, I play World of Tanks on the console. Uh, a lot. I like that game. i have played it a lot, and that has microtransactions because it's a free-to-play game. But and I spent money. I bought some gold and rolled a tank. But I still haven't spent the money that I would f- spend on a triple A title. Right. And you know, I don't have a problem with that if I do because I play that game so much, and it's almost not like some people say it's pay to win, but it's almost like pay to support the developers.
0: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's why anytime something comes out, um, you know, I don't mind buying the new expansions for Hearthstone because it's a game I play every day. Like every day, I will go in, take care of my dailies, and and at this point, I've only got they've got something like six hundred, seven hundred cards, and I think I've got like a hundred that I I need left. And it's not that I've spent a lot of money. I I think I've spent less money on on that game than I have on on any of the standalones. But but yeah, I don't mind throwing money in once every 2 or 3 months to support a new expansion because i know that you know that's that's how they're making their money right.
1: yeah and, and you know and that you know that that's got to be part of it you know they they've, they've got to get the money but it just it just seems like i feel like i'm being taxed twice you know when i yeah. buy the game and then i've got to continue paying inside of the game and you know I I do i do that occasionally But I like it when it's a choice, where I don't need to do it to advance. I'm just doing it because it's something I enjoy. If They're providing something that is there for me. Like in a racing game, when my car becomes one of the models I can buy. You know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to buy the model car that I'm currently driving to race around in the virtual world. Because I can do things in the game I can't do in my car. But,
0: (laughs) you know,
1: I'm not... Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. Just some of it is just it just rubs the wrong way. And yeah. but we're to blame. We're doing it. You know, we're still spending it. And I mean, I, the, the greatest thing I saw this week, and it was last week, I think, Kanye West came out on Twitter, totally upset that how dare they make a children game for the iPad where they've got microtransactions, like every few minutes for the child to do something. And then somebody replied, "How dare you come out with a T-shirt that costs one hundred and ten dollars?" You know, I mean. <laughs> so I mean, it's I guess it's depending on what side, uh, you know, the fence you're on, on wh- what you think is it okay or not. You know,
0: everybody's gonna have their 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 threshold. <laughs> it's like, no, this this is where I'm gone. Yeah, life. yeah,
1: it's it, it's funny when you know you get to that point, you know. <laughs>
0: Alright, one little fun thing that you found this week, which um, I don't know what it, it says about us, uh, we're, we're both teachers, so coffee is a very important part of our lives. <laughs> and, uh, there's an article out on the Huffington Post about how people who order coffee black are more likely to be psychopaths. And so I will have to ask uh, Sean,
1: how do you take I think coffee? I take my coffee black. <laughs>
0: And do you find that you, you have more psychopathic tendencies than your average? I, I,
1: I, I mean, after reading the article, I, it makes a lot of sense. No, I do not believe I am a psychopath, but it's kind of interesting how they looked at personality profile, you know, questions and answers, and then what type of coffee you like, and, uh, you know people who drink black coffee are much quicker to make a, a statement on something or express their displeasure with something that's going around them so i mean it makes sense i mean if you drink your coffee black you don't want to you don't want to mask the world from the bitterness that is there every day you just want to embrace it and uh, if you <laughs> take it with a lot of cream you you want to you know take time and enjoy the sweeter things in life, and, and, yeah, so how do you take your coffee, Joe?
0: I take mine with, uh, plenty of sugar and plenty of cream, so, uh, I have been, I have been accused of having dessert every morning for, for my coffee, and, uh, and I, I hope that that comes out in my, in my daily, uh, Persona, but I don't know. <laughs> You've seen me on bad teaching days. <laughs> I think I think I may reflect the the black coffee drinker slightly more than uh, the dessert coffee drinker. Yeah,
1: it's just it's a it's a funny article, but I think I think the article is pretty good because I remember uh, the one time that uh you had to save me from the barista that was trying to sweeten my uh, my tea. And she's trying to convince me that my life would be better if uh, she would be allowed to put in a shot or two of sweetener. And I was going to, like, reach across the counter and be like, you don't know my life. I remember you casually going in. Oh, yeah, that is great. You're right. But, oh, he just can't have it like that. You were very sweet and, you know, intervene. So I, I think the article is uh, probably uh, more on – Target than I would like it to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, very good, well, very fun little article that's got all the all the science behind it to back it up. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. If anybody wants to, I'll put a link in the show night show notes and uh, people can check that out. Um, I think the last thing we have on here is um, the Force Awakens trailers. Is that what that is?
1: Oh yeah, that uh, the pre-orders uh, for tickets go on sale Monday. So they're going to release a new trailer, but you can buy your tickets for it when it comes out on Monday.
0: That's kind of crazy, and I'm going to definitely have to figure out how and where we're going to do that because (laughs) out here in Palm Springs, uh, the the theaters are not necessarily set up for pre-order ticket sales, so we'll have to see if they're actually going to allow us to do that. Yeah,
1: and I think they're – I mean, they're going full on that. You know, they're going to have links to all the theaters where you can get it. And, um, I'm looking at going maybe with a buddy of mine to the iPad. We're looking at getting it for the iPad. You know, the one where you can sit down and you have a big comfy couch, uh, waiters come and bring you food oh, yeah, and yeah, drink. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive, but, you know, and it's not the, it's not the best screen. You know, it's not going to be the best environment to see the movie. You know, sit down, have a couple cold, refreshing beverages, and watch Star Wars, uh, you know, totally relax with your shoes up and a blankie and a yeah, it Sounds kind of cool.
0: I, if there's ever going to be a movie to do it to, that is definitely one of them. I, I think that definitely makes the list. Yeah, no, I think, I don't know, it, when it first started coming out, that the new movie was coming out, I was like, okay, that's cool, and I wasn't terribly excited about it. I was just kind of there. And then they released the first um, trailer, and it was like, okay, it's getting—I'm you know, I'm getting a little bit more excited. And as time has gone on, I'm just starting to—I don't think I've fanboyed about Star Wars this hard ever. Like, even when the original first three movies came out, we went opening night, but it was literally because somebody said, "Hey, I have extra tickets. You want to come?" My my brother's already in line holding places. Awesome! I don't have to wait in line for three hours in there. So it'll be interesting. I'm—I'm. I'm, I'm excited to be excited, if that makes yeah, any well, sense. Yeah, well,
1: it's, it's going to be uh, wild because it's going to be part of Monday Night Football, which uh, I'm going to be watching because it's uh, my Philadelphia Eagles playing Monday night. And so they're going to have it. It's going to be a Star Wars-themed Monday Night Football broadcast. And the trailer is going to be shown during the game. So it's kind of weird that wow. they're going to be pulling in all these non-football people to watch the game. To see all the Star Wars related stuff that's going to be released because it's ESPN, which of course is ABC, which is of course Disney,
0: <laughs> and it all comes and all, together. It <laughs> definitely all
1: comes together, and I'm really excited about it because I mean the uh, the actor that's cast, I I loved him in Attack uh, Attack on the Block. It's oh, a, I did um, see that. Uh, British film of a. Uh, Uh, projects, what we would call the projects, but they have, they call them blocks, and how uh, this alien lands, and, um, you know, as aliens do, there's a misunderstanding between the humans and aliens, and, uh, you know, this alien's, like, hunting them, and it's how these kids from the block, and he's the main one, and a couple of these educated adults who live there, so it's this kind of mixed socioeconomic story about you know, they live in the same neighborhood but they're from completely different worlds and how they kinda of come together and how they defeat this alien menace. So it has
0: Is the alien is the alien the a big black like or cat like yeah, yeah kind of, you thing? can't
1: really see I it. think I have seen yeah. that movie. And he was the start it. He was young and he was hard in that movie. I mean he was just he was really good. And I didn't even recognize him at first, and I realized that's him. Like, oh, man, he's could have to totally do this justice because, I mean, he was so great in that film. That's I
0: Everything I hear about this just makes me more and more excited about it. Like, I haven't heard any negative things, and I'm sure there will be. I'm sure there will be some stuff that people don't like, and I'm sure there will be stuff I'm like, hmm, not sure about that. But right now, I think it's just the idea that we're getting more Star Wars, and I think that's just – Well, cool. and
1: J.J. J. Abrams has always wanted to do a Star Wars. I mean the first Star Trek movie, mm-hmm. you look at all the scenes and settings. I mean it it was it was Star Wars, you know, with Star Trek characters. And I'm wondering if he's going to put in his trademark Slusho drink. He always has in his movies, you know, the product that he always puts in or mentions the Slusho, which was in uh, Cloverfield, mm-hmm. it was in Star Trek, you know. Uh, Captain, uh, Kirk goes up to the bar before he's the captain and goes, I need like, you know, three Bud Light and a slush-o. You know, he orders the drink in the bar. So it's always mentioned in his movies. It always fits it in somehow. And I'm wondering if they're gonna let him slide it in in some cantina scene. You know, is somebody gonna be sitting there drinking a slush while they're doing it? So I'm looking forward to kind of all the little stuff that J.J. J. Abrams kind of throws in there in
0: his films. Well, and I think that's one of the great things about right now is that a lot of the stuff that's being produced is being produced by fans. You know, they're, they're, I mean, it's not just fan stuff that we see online. It's like big name directors, big name producers are fans of the products that they are creating. And uh, I mean, that's, that's one of the things I'm very excited about um, the Warcraft movie. I don't know if you've seen anything about that, but, the guy playing Ogrim Doomhammer is, uh, Rob Kaczynski. He was the Australian, uh, mech driver in Pacific Rim. Oh, alright. Okay. Right. The, the hotshot, uh, Australian kid. And he, they, they asked him when he first got the, the role, are, are you a, a Warcraft fan? Have you ever played? And at the time we were in the middle of Mists of Pandaria and he was like, oh yeah, I've got like 1190s. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a fan. And he sent out a tweet after it wrapped. He's like, every time I look in the mirror and I don't see the Ogrim Dur- Doomhammer, I'm <laughs> a little sad. And, and, you know, it's just, it's kind of fun. Like, you know, Henry, uh, Cavill playing Superman. He's a huge geek. And, and I think it's fun that a lot of the people that are making these projects are now very, um, they're making it not just because it's a job, but because they're excited to be able to be.
1: Yeah. And I, I was I was uh, telling my class about Vin Diesel. I mean, he's a huge, you know, D and D player. He still gets together with his group, but he's always in these action movies because that pays the bills. And it would be fun to see him. Uh-huh. I guess he's in the Witch Hunter that's coming out this uh, right now. So hopefully, that will be kind of uh, something he enjoyed. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's just fun. It's fun to see people doing stuff that they enjoy that you also enjoy. It's cool. Alright, well I think that does it for today. You have anything coming up this week?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, excited for the Snoopy movie, but that's still a few weeks out. So.
0: Yeah, I'm very much looking forward Um, to that.
1: Can't really think of anything. I know my son wants to go see Transylvania, Hotel Transylvania 2. So we gotta fit that in.
0: A lot of our students said very good things. Yeah,
1: so uh <laughs> you know, we got a birthday coming up, so I'm sure we're gonna have some uh new video games in the house or something, so that will be fun, you know.
2: Right yeah. You know.
1: Just a regular old week. I can't think of anything that I am just die hard over. I mean, Halo comes out the what is that, the twenty sixth? Take it to 26th or 27th. And I've got already uh, a bunch of students saying that they're going to have the halo flu on, uh, a oh, Tuesday. So, yes. uh, <laughs> I, 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 I might have an illness coming up myself, but that's, that's a couple weeks out. And then probably the biggest thing for me is, you know, uh, Fallout coming out and I've got a, you know, probably going to be wearing my Fallout Vault Dweller costume again for Halloween. So, you know, just got to get that ready.
2: Oh, and then yesterday. Nice. Uh, I was um, dressed in my Harry Potter outfit because we were doing uh, we were doing a dress up like your favorite character from a book or a movie. So I dressed up as Harry Potter. Someone else dressed up as Harry Potter, same clothes but wasn't wearing all the stuff I was was wearing most of the stuff I wasn't wearing. And someone else was Harry Potter, but was Harry Potter from a Weasley house.
0: Did you have a three-way wizard duel?
2: uh, Well, I had a wizard duel with someone, and we were. um, it was, who is the real Harry Potter? So it was me versus (laughs) the guy.
1: Very, very Uh, cool. Yeah, it's great that he's a fan, but he's a fan of it from those Lego games, because we played. Lego Harry Potter games and he really enjoyed that and then after we finished them I told him you know there's movies about it and he's like oh so we watched it and he liked it because he knew all the scary suspenseful stuff already from the game so it wasn't too much for him and then you know we're like you know there's there's a book and so we've been reading the book now it has been several months and it goes slow but you know we're reading the books also so it's kind of neat how the the Lego video game got him into the movie, and now he's getting him into the book, you know. The opposite direction of most of us that start with the book and go to the movie and then the game, he's going the opposite direction. So, you know, it, I, I really love how that kind of kind of works, you know. An older, you know, item can be introduced to a new generation through a different medium. And it's just as powerful, it's just yeah. as strong.
0: yeah. And the, the good thing is, is, you know, I teach a lot of, uh, universal theme in my, my curriculum. And that's what it is. It's like, it's a theme that you can introduce to generation after generation because, you know, the theme is always gonna stand true. So that's really cool. It's cool that that works. Any shout outs for anybody? Uh, I
1: guess Griffin, his birthday's coming up next week, so shout out for Griffin's birthday. And,
0: uh. Happy birthday, Griffin. That
2: well, um, early. The birthday is actually gonna be on a Tuesday. And, uh, the good news is I get out at a one twenty on the birthday,
0: so that's going to be a little good. That's nice. It's always nice to get out early on your birthday. <laughs> so that's anybody else? Uh,
1: you know, um, probably my daughter. I gotta find her Batgirl costume. It's somewhere in the house. She lives out in Boston now, and she's demanding I send it to her. So I guess she's got a uh, theme party for Halloween or something, and so I've gotta find her. uh Fat girl. So you know, shout out to Megan and her, uh you know, whatever's going on in Boston, because she is. It's kind of fun having kids because your little, you know, things that you're really into, you can kind of get your kids into. Megan and Kurt are both big Robotech fans. Haven't gotten Griffin into it yet. I'm still waiting. Still waiting.
0: Uh, maybe maybe when he gets a little older, he'll he'll it'll it'll resonate with him a little bit more. <laughs>
2: I resonate with the um, DC um, Imagine figures, but I mean, yeah. Those are the only ones I like. Very
0: heard. cool. Well, I would like to give a shout-out to you, uh, Sean, and you, Griffin. Uh, thank you very much for being on the show this morning. I really appreciate it. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at www.bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. At geektitude is the show's Twitter. Um, my personal Twitter is at epic grays. Uh, Sean, is there any place that people can find uh, you? you
1: know, my, uh, gamer tag is teach for food, no spaces, and I'm on, uh, Twitter also, which is, uh, teach underscore four underscore Food, uh, somebody has my Teach for Food one, uh, and that's usually probably the easiest way to, to find me until I destroy all my social media, which might be coming soon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. Well, uh, thank you very, very much for being on the show this morning. I really appreciate it. I think, uh, it's nice to finally have a gamer on and, uh. Alright, oh, well thank fun. you for having
1: us. This was a lot of fun. I look forward to, uh, hearing it and, uh, thanks Joe. You gotta say thank you to Joe.
0: Thank you. Absolutely. And for everybody listening, remember this week, keep it geek.